Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is Pastor Kevin Weatherby, and I invite you to saddle up and ride with us as we strike a trot to the backside of God's green pastures and learn how to live for Him. Whenever I lived down in Kainosa, uh, which is underneath New Mexico, for uh, there's a little part of Texas that rests right underneath New Mexico. We were way out there in West Texas, and we had a thing called a blue quail. And the blue quail was a lot different than what our central Texas compadres had called a bobwhite. A bobwhite was this real cute little bird that whenever you scared it, him and all of his amigos would run under a bush and stand there and let you shoot it. It wasn't very sporting. They would have a dog that would point out the birds that were just right there. I, I don't know. It was weird. But blue quail are a little bit different. They're like hunting flying jackrabbits. Whenever you scare up a blue quail, it flies for nine miles and then lands, and you've got to run that nine miles, and it's just different. Well, I had a buddy of mine that I worked with. He was out of central Texas, and uh, he, said, uh, he said, hey, man, I want to come quail hunting. I said, well, come on, man, bring a, bring a buddy of yours. He goes, can I bring my dog? I was like, yeah, what kind of dog you got? He said, well, it's a German short hair. And if you don't know what a German short hair is, there's one sitting right over here in the bleachers. And uh, I was like, well, yeah, you can bring your bird dog, but, man, it, it, it ain't quite the same hunting blue quail as it is these little bobwhites. He goes, wow, well, he'll, he'll, he'll do it. He'll hunt anything. Oh, bring him on. And so, anyway, we get up the first morning. Old Boomer, that's the dog's name, Boomer, he's real excited to go quail hunting and everything. So we jump in and we start going and we're in my double cab pickup. I said, okay guys, here's the rules of blue quail hunting. I said, what you do is whenever we see some fly out, y'all jump out of the truck and y'all just take off running out there as quick as you can and I'll pick you up about nine miles from here when you're about to die. If you're lucky, you'll get a shot. I said, but you got to be quick. And they said, okay. So we're driving down this fence line and <laughs> there they go, the blue quail. I was like, go, 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 go. They like, <sighs> will you hand me those shells? And, I, and they were just walking around and I'm like, and I let them get all ready, check their guns. By this time, the quail were in old Mexico. And I told them that they got ready and they're like, which way did they go? I said, y'all get back in the truck. They're like, why? The quail went that way. I said, they're not there anymore. They're gone. Adios. Adios. Get back in the truck. So they got back in the truck. I said, guys, when I say go, 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 I mean go, 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 go. So we're driving along. Sure enough, we get another covey. Boom. There they go. I mean, this time they bail out. They're ready to go. They throw open the door to the little kennel. Boomer jumps out, and Boomer is hot on their trail. That dog is smoking it across that pasture. And old Todd, that's who Boomer was, his dog. Oh, Todd, he, he was just a beaming. He was liking it. And he was running, and Boomer was still learning a little bit. He had one of those shock collars on, not to hurt him, but sometimes need a little reinforcement. And so Boomer's running out there, and I think he's going to catch him quail, and I'm pretty impressed with that German short-haired dog, until that jackrabbit goes, whew, right in front of Boomer. Boomer never misses stride. And he is after that jackrabbit. Quail, forget that. This one's on the ground. And you can hear him, He's trying to get that thing so bad, and that jackrabbit is just toying with him. And you can hear Todd, and he's like, Boomer! And he fiddles with that deal a little bit, and he hits it. And I can tell he's fixing to shock old Boomer, and he shocks him a little bit. And, and it, like, it like Boomer farted or something. He's just like, he didn't even mind. He just kept going. Can you say that in church? <laughs> Forgive me. So Boomer's still going, and Todd, he goes to jacking with that deal again. And he cranks it up a little more, and he hits it. And this time, Boomer's left leg goes. 
I don't know why. It must have been on a nerve or something like that, but he keeps after the deal and Todd is steadily, Boomer, Boomer, here, come here, Boomer, here, come here. Boomer ain't paying no attention to that whatsoever. I, at this point, am on my toolbox trying not to fall off because I am laughing so hard. You ever heard a dad get onto a child after he's told him and told him and told him? It was, Boomer, here, come here, here, come here. Todd looks down and goes, Boomer. And I knew he, Boomer was about to get it. <laughs> I could see that control panel lighting up like a lightsaber. He must have turned it to atomic level. And he was like, Boomer. I don't know if Boomer could have even heard that part. And he hits that button and Boomer goes, <laughs> And Boomer hits that. And I guarantee you he had the strangest look on his face because lightning done jumped out of that jackrabbit's butt and hit him right in the face. We seen more jackrabbits that day and Boomer went the other direction. <laughs> Lessons learned. Today, how many times, you, you know the old jerk, 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 joke, joke. You know the old joke about, you know, somebody like going along and they're like, squirrel, and they just take a different direction. That's what we're going to talk about today because as Christians, we can do just like Boomer did. We can be going along in God's purpose, going just like we should be going. And all of a sudden, we see something that catches our eye, and we just turn off of the path that God has called for us. We start going in another direction. I call this squirrely Christianity. What is squirrely Christianity? Squirrely Christianity is attitudes that get us off track from God's plan. It falsely elevates one person over another. It's like a city slicker announcing a rodeo. Everyone hears him, but that don't stop him from sounding like an idiot to everybody but himself. Okay? Squirrely Christianity. I'm going to talk about three in particular, three types of people that just, they might be going along and for some reason, some way, somehow, they just get off track and they start going in another direction. The first squirrely Christian that we're going to talk about is the nitpickers. Anybody know of a nitpicker? Is that a Texas word or what? Nitpickers will, it doesn't matter what you do, they're going to find something wrong with it. They're going, to, they're going to pick something apart. I mean, it's just those type of people just drive you crazy. And unfortunately, there's a bunch of Christians that are the biggest, baddest nitpickers around. You want to kick them where the sun don't shine in Jesus' name. There was a, uh, a while back, when I was 21, I bro uh, started a cult for Stacy and Steve. His name was Cash. And Cash, we got him in the round pen, and I hooked up an equine terrification device to the end of my buggy whip, betterly known as a Walmart sack. And I got my equine terrification device, and I started sending Cash around in the round pen. That dadgum boy was doing so good, I thought, you know what, let's just see what'll happen. So I went over there and grabbed my saddle that was sitting there. I didn't, I didn't have a saddle pad out or anything like that. He did so well with that, I just wanted to see what he'd do. So I just walked over there, let him smell of that. I threw it up there, and he looked at me like, what are you doing? I was like, hey, this is pretty good. So I reached under there. I thought, let's see what will happen. So I run the ladder, go through there, and I kind of cinched it up a little bit. He looked at me. He was like, this is dumb. So he kind of walked off, and I woed him a little bit. I put the back cinch on, and man, he was doing real good. I got my equine terrification device back out, and I sent him in a circle. And that boy didn't like all them stirrups flapping, and so he commenced to bucking a little bit around and everything. He was farting while he was bucking. My kids thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Got it on video if you want to see it. And uh, when he got through bucking, he come, I mean, he literally came right up to me. He's like, hey, I, I don't know what happened, but it's, it's safer over here with you. So I got to messing with him, and I thought, 
he's doing great. Let's see what will happen. So I put one foot up in the stirrup, and I just stood up in the stirrup and got back down. Nothing happened. Stacy was there that day, and she took a picture of that first time that I went up on cash. I didn't swing my leg over. I just stood up in the stirrup. Now, understand that there was not a saddle pad on because I hadn't planned on riding him or anything like that. I was just seeing where we were going to stop that day. Well, I posted a picture of that on Facebook. And um, I said, the patient on this picture, I said, patience is not the absence of action. Rather, it is timing. It waits for the right time to act for the right principles and in the right way. So I posted this picture on Facebook talking about patience and timing and all of this stuff. And the biggest conversation on that deal was somebody said, I'm very disappointed to see that there's not a saddle pad under that horse. Here's this, this thing that I had done, trying to teach people a lesson, and people were nitpicking because they, number one, did they know the whole story? No. They took one glimpse at one instance of a moment in time and figured out that they knew everything about it, and then they just started nitpicking the crud out of it. Those people just drive me insane. On another picture... I had this cowboy, and it was one of Kara's pictures, and she's watching right now down at the T.O. Ranch. And it was a picture of this cowboy, and he's riding off, and I thought it was one of Kenny Mack, but it wasn't. It was another one. And this cowboy's riding off, and I had put on there, the conversation between a horse and rider is the most beautiful language you'll never hear. I thought that was pretty cool. That come out of my pea brain. So I posted it. Well, this cowboy, is he's riding off in this direction here, the back cinch you could see just a little bit of daylight under the back cinch. And about four people were like, I'd like to see that back cinch a little tighter. Shut up! Shut. Facebook doesn't need a poke, it needs a, a, a stupid slap. Some people are just a special kind of dumb, aren't they? A special kind of stupid. Right above this picture, I had put Psalms 34:15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his, hear, and his ears are open unto their cry. That just went right over their head. They took one moment in time and all of this stuff and just nitpicked it to death. In other words, they're going along like this, and all of a sudden something catches their eye, and they just go, swirl, and just go in a different direction. The problem is, is a lot of people just keep going. They don't ever get back on track. They become just the nitpickers. That, and I'm not talking about... Anybody in particular? So, <laughs> I was going to say your wife, but that might get me in trouble. I didn't say that. So, what do nitpickers look like? Like I said, they always miss the point of a lesson or story. They, they, they completely are oblivious to anything that's going on, except they just want to pick apart. And it's usually a good thing, isn't it? You, I did this, and they ran around and around and around. Nitpickers, there is no arguing with them, is there? You ever tried to argue with a nitpicker? Though they get all huffy and puffy and, well, yeah, they can say whatever they want to, can't they? But boy, if you try to say something back to them, well, I just can't believe you acting like that. Special kind of dumb. Nitpickers would point out a piece of cow crap in the Garden of Eden, wouldn't they? We're going to get to the Garden of Eden and we'd all be, look at this beautiful, oh my gosh, God's majesty. And somebody would be like, I found a piece of crap right there in the garden. Somebody pick this up. That's the way they are. We don't need to be nitpickers. There is no Bible verse that says, nitpick others so that they may grow in Christ and come to know thee, God. It's not in there. Don't be a squirrely Christian and be a nitpicker. Nobody likes a nitpicker. 
Squirrely Christianity. The second one that I'm going to talk about is the holier than thou. Does anybody know any holier than thou Christians? Oh my gosh. There's a, they're going to heaven, okay? Y'all, y'all can hate them if you want to, but they're going to heaven. But there's going to be a special place in heaven for the holier than thou. I think they're going to work the pig shed. <laughs> Just to prove a point. So the other, has everybody heard that song of Beer with Jesus? That's a great song, isn't it? The holier than thou are scared to say no. Um, so my wife on her Facebook fan page, the worst preacher's wife ever, go check it out. Uh, my wife puts that on her Facebook fan page because she just loves the message behind it. He talks about, if I could have a beer with Jesus, I'd sit there and talk and I would listen and I would ask him, how did you turn the other cheek to save a sorry soul like me? Do you hear the prayers I send? What happens when life ends? If I could have a beer with Jesus. And so she put that, and, and some holier-than-thou Christian lady on there put, is this really the kind of witness that we want for Christ? You dadgum right it is. Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. Because I guarantee you, the holier-than-thous have run off a lot more people from Jesus Christ than the, than the people that had a beer with Jesus. I know people, I have had some conversations over a beer about people's salvation. Now, I'm not saying that we should all just go drink and everybody's going to get saved. That ain't what I'm saying. But we don't need to be the holier-than-thous. There's no room for it. Who are the holier-than-thous? I think some of them people, you can spot them because they got the burning bush hanging from their rearview mirror. Because God's always talking to them. The holier-than-thous, they got a direct line to God. They must be driving down the road, the bush... Speak to me, God. Well, you need to tell oh so-and-so over there that they don't need to be doing that anymore. Yes, sir, God, I'll tell them. The holier-than-thous are always saying, well, God told me this. God told me that. God told me this, that, and the other. And and I'm not saying God speaks to all of us. He speaks within our hearts. But them people, man, they they got a special kind of hearing that a lot of us don't have. Because they know exactly what God wants, what He does, what you do, what you do wrong, what you need to do, what your sister's doing, what your aunt and uncle, and especially what your ex might be doing. Okay? God tells them about everybody else's business. The holier than thou. They like to use Proverbs 27:17. Does anybody know what Proverbs 27:17 says? Iron sharpens iron. As another, uh, 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 iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That is a favorite of the holier than thou, because they're bound and determined to sharpen you. Now, they're never the ones that get sharpened. Never, never, because they're sharp enough. If they're that sharp, how come they're so dull? (laughs) You ever thought about that? Copyright Kevin Weatherby, 2012. But they do. They just go around, and and somehow, I'm not saying that they're not saved. They are. And a lot of them have good intentions, but they're going along and the devil's thrown a a jackrabbit or a squirrel and they have taken the bait and they're going along. Unfortunately, Jesus don't use a shot collar. It might be nice if he did. We've got hot shots. Maybe we can be Jesus' hands on earth. What would that look like? I always said that in schools they could fix that sagging problem with people wearing their britches. If if I see a butt, I'm going to... Give all y'all teachers about a nine-foot yellow hot shot. We'd solve that crap real quick. Boop. <laughs> Do we need a cordless mic back there, too? <laughs> Somebody give Gwen mouth to mouth. She's about to pass out. 
The holier than thou's. But let me tell you this right here. The holier than thou's. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.16, Be holy because I am holy. There's nothing wrong with being holy. We should strive for that. But let me ask you, there is only one person that was holier than thou, and his name was Jesus Christ. And let's take a look at what he did. Jesus was always quick to love, wasn't he? Jesus, the only one that was holier than thou, was quick to love. He was quick to encourage. He was quick to heal. And most importantly, he was quick to forgive. If you want to be holier than thou, then be that. Be quick to love. Be quick to encourage. Be Christ-like and attempt to heal somebody. And I'm not saying by laying your hands on them. Sometimes it's just listening. Sometimes it's a smile, a handshake, a hug, dropping by unannounced when they cook steaks. <laughs> be quick to forgive. You want to be holier than thou? Be that way, not the other way. The last one I'm going to talk about are the eyeballers. Welcome, cowboys, to Modern Culture 101. When I was young, if someone said another person was bawling, it meant that he was a crybaby. Things have changed. Now, bawling means that somebody's really good at something. You know, like Chris and Al, they're, they're good. They're ballers when it comes to football playing. They're real good. Y'all with me? Baller, very good at a particular sport or activity. But there are some eyeballers, and what they are good at is turning everything back to them. You go up and tell an eyeballer something, well, you know what, God, uh, I think God's really leading me to move up to Colorado to start a church. Well, I don't think you should do that. I don't think God would do that. This isn't about you. Yeah, but I mean, I, they just always turn things back to them. Every conversation has to be about them. It can't ever be about somebody else. My wife calls them dream crappers because that's what they do. You tell them... So <laughs> Sorry, Jasmine. But that's what they do. You tell somebody something that God has really been speaking to you about, I guarantee you, George and Vonda, when they told... And I don't know that it was anybody here, but I guarantee you when George and Vonda said, we're moving to Guatemala to be missionaries, some, there was an eyeball or somewhere. Well, I don't think God's telling you to do that. What about your kids? What about my kids? Can't you just be supportive? Eyeballers will turn everything you say back to them. They think that everything is about them. You know, when, when you're talking to an eyeballer, everything revolves around how they feel about something. Not about how you feel about something. It's always about them. They like to use the words, well, I think, or, well, I know, or I would do this, or I don't think God wants you to, or I don't know if that's a good idea, or I wouldn't do that. It's not about you. It's not about you. We need to learn to just listen to people and not try to make everything about us. You'll be surprised at what you'll learn. True Christianity is about listening to others, not just talking about you. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Leave your opinions at home. Everybody's got opinions, and none of us want to hear them. One person got that. But seriously... Squirrely Christianity, there are things, and I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is obtained through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing you can do to earn that gift, and there's nothing that you can do to lose that gift if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But there are some squirrely Christians out there. We've got nitpickers that have taken a left turn. We've got people that are holier than thou that have taken a right turn and gone just somewhere that God didn't want them to go. And we've got the eyeballers that just make everything about them. How to avoid squirrely Christianity. I'm not up here just to point out bad things. 
if you happen to fit in some of these, and if you don't think you do, you're lying to yourself, because I think at all, at some point in time, we have all fit into one of these three categories. Maybe not all the time. But we've all been known to nitpick. We've all taken that stance of that. Maybe you're not holier than that, but maybe you're a little bit better than somebody else. Maybe you're just, you know, they're right here, and you've got to be right here. Or maybe you make everything about you. You take things personal all the time. I think, I think, I think. How to avoid squirrely Christianity. I told you to turn to Matthew chapter 22, and I hope you're there. Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 39. Jesus said, the Pharisees have just asked Jesus, what are the great, which one is the greatest commandment out of the ten? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm here to tell you how to avoid being a squirrely Christian. It's all laid out in those three verses right there. Your first focus should be on loving God. Not just on Sundays or during mealtime prayers. With a constant focus on loving God, everything, without a constant focus on loving God, everything else is useless. I guarantee you the body of Christ would be so much different today if everybody would just, try to, would just quit playing Christian and just start loving God. Because that's probably the one thing that's lacking the most. Love God. The second thing that you should do is love yourself. This is self-respect and self-worth, not conceit or bragging. Okay, You were so important to God that He sent His Son to die for you. Not the person sitting next to you. He died for you and you alone. He died. He paid the punishment for all of your sins. Do you have self-respect? Or do you think real lowly of yourself? Do you have self-worth? Or do you think that your life isn't worth anything? God has a plan for you. Until you know how much God loves you, you can never pass along that love to others. And the third thing that you should do you should love others as much as yourself. See, as Christians, we're, we're just, it's hammered into us. Love others, love others, love others. So we go around trying to kind of fake it till we make it and just love everybody else. But loving others isn't an action. It's a reaction to what's happened inside of us. When you learn how to love God, truly love God, and when you finally realize how much you mean to Him and how important you are, then sharing that love with others is the most natural thing in the world. And that's what we should strive for. Don't let something jump in front of your Christian walk with God. Don't go to chasing squirrels. That path leads away from the plan that God has for you. It doesn't lead to hell, but it does lead. If you're feeling let down in your Christian walk, if you feel like there's nothing but problems, or you haven't seen the promises of God, maybe you've been chasing some squirrels. It's time to get back on track. You know, this old world is full of tough trails and scary switchbacks. Our prayer is that God spoke to you today through His Word. If you heard God talking to you, just get on the internet and visit us at SaveTheCowboy.com. We're trying to reach every corner of the globe wherever there might be a cowboy or cowgirl that needs to hear God's Word in a way that they can understand. But we can't do that without your support. You can become a saddle partner with us at our website, www.SaveTheCowboy.com or contact us at 303-621-0133. Get out there and do what God's telling you to do. This program was brought to you by Western LLC, facility development for the oil and gas and aviation industries across the western United States. Reach them at westernllc.net. 
Also by the good folks at Integrity Auto Repair in Kiowa, Colorado, and Comanche Creek Enterprises. Contact them today for no-till drilling and burrowing rodent control. <laughs> 